Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening to Queer Stories, the podcast for the LGBTQI plus storytelling night I host and program around the country. If you're a regular listener, you'll notice that I am yet again recording a new intro for the podcast. I feel a lot of pressure now to keep things fresh so that the relationship doesn't get stale. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Please check out the back catalogue of stories. There's some really, really wonderful work there. And please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date. Consider purchasing a copy of the Queer Stories book, which I published with Hachette Australia last year. And when you've got a moment, look at My Mother's Kitchen on your phone, a collaboration I did with Google's Creative Labs. Follow Queer Stories on socials for event updates and check out Maeve Marsden on crowdfunding platform Patreon. I don't know why that sounded so sing-song. On crowdfunding, it's, it's awkward when you're asking people for money. But look, I've got a Patreon page and for a small monthly donation, you can help me to continue to run these events. Anyway, please enjoy the podcast. Claire G. Coleman is a Wurlaman Noongar woman whose family have belonged to the south coast of Western Australia since long before history started being recorded. She writes fiction, essays and poetry, while mostly travelling around the continent, now called Australia, in a ragged caravan, towed by an ancient troopie. During an extended circuit of the continent, she wrote a novel, Terra Nullius. She has since won a black and white Indigenous writing fellowship for that novel, and it has been short and long-listed for a number of awards, including the 2018 Stella Prize and 2017 Aurealis Prize. Claire performed this story in Melbourne and Sydney, as well as at Newcastle Writers' Festival, and I think it might be one of my favourites. Enjoy. I want to tell you the story of a pair of old ducks I used to know. Gertrude and Mildred were their names, or as I call them, Gertie and Millie. During my darkest times... When all hope seemed lost, when I could not see a way out of the quagmires living in, they were my best friends. Their company kept me on the straight and narrow, as sane as, as was possible at the time. Almost certainly, they saved my life. I have to say, I'll be honest with you, they're not particularly old, but they were literally a pair of ducks. <laughs> my parents uh, visited Melbourne, and my dad and I spent a whole weekend building a duck pen. Uh, fenced it in chicken wire, we made a shed out of stolen pallets and old roofing tin, and we half buried a baby bath with a brick in it near one end for them to stand on. We went to Queen Victoria Market in Melbourne, where there were still live poultry sellers there, and chose them, khaki Campbells, good layers, mission brown, mottled with green iridescence and copper. They were so very pretty. We bought them home in a cardboard box lined with a towel. We put them in a pen to get settled and gave them a good feed. Now, don't fucking judge me for having ducks in my backyard in Melbourne. <laughs> for enslaving animals. If I had not bought them, adopted them, they would have gone the way of all the other um, ducks in that duck pen. Rung necks and an oven or a soup pot. Now, Gertie was braver. She was bound out of their shed, where they were safe from the weather and from the foxes that always appear when ducks are around, looking for food and cracking her brainless little head off. She'd walk tall, quacking across the backyard. I think she must be part runner duck. She had the right stance, but she was way too chubby. She would sit on my feet and demand to be cuddled, while Mildred went down the backyard and stabbed me at me balefully. Gertie was the first to try all the new food. <laughs> like the garden snails we collected from the veggie patch and threw in their pen. Well, after a while she tried them, after a long while, as both girls stared at the slow-moving things with shock, 
When Gertie got brave and tasted snail, she made the most joyous sound I've ever heard from an animal, and soon there were no snails in the yard. It was also Gertie who ate the frog. I saw the legs of the poor frog as it slipped down, still kicking down her throat. Ducks will be ducks, and Gertrude was one hell of a duck. Millie was more classically duck-shaped, if a little chubby. While Gertie was too lengthy for Khaki Campbell, Millie was too round. Maybe she was partly some boxy meat breed. She would stay in bed late, sitting on both the eggs as late as she could. Every day we got an egg from each, the clever girls. Millie would never let me get near the eggs. If she could see, sometimes they'd have to leave and come back later, as both girls were trolling around the yard looking for anything they could imagine was edible or a place to hide the eggs I couldn't find. I loved both my girls, though Gertrude was far easier to love. <laughs> there was a wetland nearby, populated with black ducks and wood ducks, crested teals and moorfowl. Whenever another duck flew over, it would be Gertrude who outstretched her wings and cracked like her life depended on it. She didn't try to fly. She did not escape to the wetland just over the wood piling fence. <laughs> I never even had to clip her wings. Maybe they were just too happy there. Maybe they were just too fat and couldn't get off the ground if they wanted to. It was Millie who dug a tunnel in the long grass in the backyard, who lined a nest down that tunnel with feathers and straw, who held onto eggs until I let her out, so I thought one of the, legs off, one of the girls off the lay. It was Millie I found by the faint quacking deep down a tunnel of grass, sitting on about 40 rotten eggs. She must have thought them fertile. So I shouldn't have been surprised when I heard a strange noise one morning, went outside and saw Gertrude and Millie, and Millie attempting to make little ducks. Yes, it's a gay duck story. <laughs> Millie was on the bottom. Splashing like mad in the half-buried baby bath, Gertrude was squatted on top, holding Millie by the neck feathers and making that special noise ducks only make when they try to make little ducks. <laughs> I won't try... I won't try and describe the sound, or I'm not going to imitate it, but once you hear it, you'll never forget it. Gertrude was tough, protective, swaggeringly brave. She came out the door first, made sure Millie was okay, that it was safe to go outside. She loved me as long as I didn't upset Millie. She would always take her lover's side. I could tell, as much as ducks could love, they did. As much as Millie hated me, and I know she did, was as much as she and Gertie loved each other. My friends would come to visit, not believing in the lesbian ducks until they saw them. <laughs> Two ducks making love being in love. Then one night I could not find Millie when it was time to put them in the shed. I thought she must have been hiding in a hole somewhere. I thought she could like try to look after herself, but I left the gate, the shed door open, so Gertrude would lead her home. The next morning I found her in a makeshift nest, dead. Probably a fox had done it, or a cat. I was devastated, but not as much as Gertie, who was hiding safe in their shed. I did not know ducks could miss each other, but Gertrude definitely missed Millie. She became even more affectionate to me. She would not let me walk through the yard without giving her a pat and a cuddle. She quacked. A lot. <laughs> she, passed out, she passed away one night while I was away. My partner at the time was duck sitting and not put her in the shed before nightfall. It might have been a neighbour's cat. You never can trust them. I was distraught, but I gained some consolation. Maybe somewhere 
where I cannot go. There's a deep, mucky pond with all the frogs and snails a duck can eat. It's obviously not frog or snail heaven. (laughs) There the lovers, Mildred and Gertrude, met again. There Millie will sit every day in both her eggs, which will never hatch because they don't think she really wants babies. Hissing at anyone who comes too close, while Gertrude will strut like only Gertrude can, quacking at the top of her voice and eating everything that moves. Because she is eternally Gertrude, and she will forever love Mildred. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and consider signing up to my crowdfunding page on Patreon. Small monthly donations help me keep my business afloat as an independent producer and artist. And in exchange, you get discount tickets, giveaways, merch and that warm glow of supporting the arts. For event updates or those excellent social pages pics from the various events, follow Queer Stories on Facebook. And for late night ramblings, follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.